We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, if you would have told me that we were going to win yesterday, remember how we were talking on yesterday's pod beforehand? It was like, hey, these are the things we want to see. If you're going to lose lose the games, let's make some progress, right? Uh, whilst acknowledging that, hey, we might we ha- might have a chance in the game against Charlotte tonight. If you would have told me we were going to win that game, and at the end of it, I was going to be pretty damn irritated. I would have said you were crazy. I would have taken it, right? But the Lakers uh, never cease to amaze, and they they get the overtime victory by the skin of their teeth with some adventures along the way. And so the way we're going to do this is this is actually going to be two pods. Today's pod, there was a lot to like about that game. And then the fourth quarter with Russ's turnovers, his five turnovers in the fourth being at the center of that tomorrow's pod is going to be about Russ's decision making. So we'll talk a little bit about that fourth quarter collapse in in this pod, but we'll really get into the weeds on that tomorrow. So I kind of want to talk about this game chronologically to some extent, or at least by lineups. D, you and I were talking before we started recording about the lineups uh, and and some of the ones that are thriving. But I want to start with with the starters in in a positive sense. Mike, that game started, and that was probably DeAndre Jordan's best shift as a Laker, at least I thought so. He was full of vitality and and playing hard and and running the floor. There are some times where he can't quite get there. He doesn't have the the foot speed, but he was catching lobs, had 10 points early on, and I, I thought that was DJ's best shift and especially in in context with the third quarter where he got pulled a little bit early I think there's an interesting conversation to be had there Frank had some comments before the game about the approach and we got some insight about the his thoughts on 88 the five which he brought up unprompted and said hey maybe he would start tonight if we had more forward depth anyhow what did you see from that starting group in particular Mike Jordan does seem to be most motivated by the opportunity to dunk. Uh, That does seem to be the thing that gets him going, and it always has. 
And that was what was happening uh, in that first part of the game for a couple of different reasons. You know, one being that Charlotte is, is quite a small team. And even if, with Mason Plumlee at the five, that's not that much of a rim deterrent. So they were taking advantage, getting downhill. And I think coming off of the, the loss in Portland had some extra juice as a team. So that was definitely good. And I did think that Frank's comment was interesting. So the re- the way that it came up for a little be- behind the scenes thing, I had had some popcorn on the way over to the press conference and I couldn't get, I think this is the first time this has happened in in years. I couldn't get the full rest of my question out. Like my voice just stopped working in the middle of the question. And I, uh, and I didn't want to start coughing and to make it seem like there was some, you know, uh, germ spreading outbreak there. Like, so I just kind (laughs) of, so I just go and Frank said, what was that? And I just kind of looked at him. Yeah. Yeah. And he being the nice guy that he is just started to bail out. And I don't know, he must have, he must have intuited that I was trying to get to a question about, would you think about changing the lineup based on what Charlotte has, you know, kind of like what you did against Houston and, and he got to what he got to, which is what we've been talking about for a while, Darius, that essentially they've looked at enough. They, they're aware that the, they think it would help overall to go to AD at the five, at least more, most often, if not every game. But he doesn't with LeBron and Ariza out. Uh, they just don't feel like they have the the wings. And if you pulled Melo out of the out of the the bench rotation, whose spot does that fill? And that spot A and B. Melo's been just fire off the bench. So I did think that that was interesting. And we saw, but it, yeah, it, it it contrasted a little bit with eventually how the game went. But certainly the start, uh, it went well. That was DeAndre's best shift. It wasn't so much the offensive stuff. We know that he can do that when he's got a lane and some space. To me, it was how that offensive activity translated to a little bit more defensive pep and rebounding as well. Charlotte, as we saw later in the game, they had foot speed advantages with the lineups that the Lakers were playing at the start of each half. But I did not think they showed that foot speed advantage to start the game. And one of the and one of the main reasons why that was the case was because DeAndre Jordan, I thought, played with the most life in his legs that he's had pretty much the entire season. And he if both of his shifts were that way, then we this maybe the framework of this entire conversation is tweaked a little bit. But we saw later how things needed to change again. And it sort of, I think, has only emboldened us to think more of what is the right direction for this team to go in. When Jordan is both quick and fast, or I'm sorry, is both big and fast, right? And he is, and he is anticipating a bit more defensively. Like, this is why Vogel likes big players, It's because when they are locked in and they are active, they are just more difficult to deal with. They're good on the offensive glass. They're good on the defensive glass. They are deterrence around the basket just by standing there, right? Like you don't even have to put your arms up often if you're standing in the right place when you're supposed to be there. Then it's just like, oh, there's a seven foot one dude right there. Like let's pass or let's fade away or Right. And it just causes things to go a different direction. And so DJ was great at doing that early in the game, 
So I was happy. It was probably about as happy as I could have been. Like I thought Bradley was playing well to start the game. And it's just like, okay, Russ wasn't that great, but I feel like the other guys sort of picked him up in a way where it's just like, okay, this is a framework for how this can work as a unit, even if you could say Russ wasn't playing his best with that group. The Lakers were still up, and it was definitely not a, oh, they're down eight already. It was, oh, they're up four. This looks good. It did, and that I think the foot speed point is is really important, right? And that's the place where there's no inherent advantage to going small, right? If all things being equal, if the players were the same, you know, speed and had the same skill level and all of that yeah give me the bigger guy of course and it's but it's the foot speed element where it can be difficult to distinguish motor from capability right like dj definitely had some life in his legs and then there are other positions where it's like he just kind of stood there right And, and so is that motor is that capable in those instances i consider that that motor but there's a capability issue that i think showed up more in the third quarter when charlotte started to really put their foot on the gas the end of the second quarter was wild it was it was like 43 to 41 with four minutes or so left in the second quarter and the end of that quarter ended like 61 to 60 that's how we got into halftime because they just scored both teams scored every possession going down and I think in that period of time Charlotte really got their tempo going and so when they came out of the locker room in that third quarter they were running at a pace that that we could not keep up with like the collective foot speed of that unit of which DJ's part of that and probably the most significant part in terms of being slow, but they were just faster than us in a way where Frank's substitution pattern was, was super interesting to me. Mike, he, he pulls everyone or pulls three players at the eight seventeen mark. So only three minutes and 43 seconds into the third quarter, we've gone down, I think by we're minus eight for the third quarter at that point. And he puts in mellow, Ellington and who was the third guy? Was was it Austin? Reeves. Yeah. So, and we got to do a whole pod on Austin coming up very soon here. But Mike, that's shooter, 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 Russ, and AD. Obviously, this is music to my ears, but I thought that regardless of how it turned out, and that lineup turned positive, especially when Rondo came in. We'll talk about him in a moment. But from Frank's perspective, I thought that was super interesting that that kind of like, it wasn't just one player, but like three guys. And it's a total philosophical difference from these are my defenders, drop coverage lineup, Bays, Bradley, and DJ to Ellington, Reeves, and Mello. I just thought that was a super interesting way for Frank to go that he normally doesn't do. Well, the Reeves part is what stands out the most to me because it it also... Yeah, there isn't just by taking DJ out and putting anybody else on the roster except for Dwight, you're going to get the style change. But you know, for Reeves is the one guy who he seems to trust to play on both sides of the court, and then Ellington fits fits into that more. And, and Darius, you can I won't spoil your own word that you use to describe Ellington um, in our group thread if you want to get to that in a second. But like he also went to Reeves in the defense only possession in at the end of was it end of regulation or overtime i think it was in overtime mm-hmm. and so here he is this undrafted rookie free agent who was a two-way guy that got converted that is now already among those that the coach actually trusts and for great reason because we've seen it been now backed up uh, on with the eye test with the numbers on film all that kind of stuff and so for reeves to be able to come into that spot and and be a key part of playing well uh, was awesome and then Darius, why don't I let you handle the the Ellington uh, part of it and sort of what 
what he's been able to bring now that he's getting a little bit more up to speed. The word I used in in our chat was he just has a mature game, right? And I think you can contrast Ellington to a player like Monk, right? Like Monk is Monk's doing a lot of stuff out there. And it reminds me of like the John Wooden quote, right? Which I've used, used a bunch about, about mistaking activity for achievement, like don't do it. And then so there are plenty of times where Monk is dancing with the ball, he's putting it between his legs or, and he looks like he's going to attack and then really there's no advantage gained. Ellington is an economy of motion guy. He knows how to move around the floor and he's just been treated like a shooter for long enough in his career that he understands the reads that you make when you're moving with without the ball. And then when you have the ball, how defenses treat you, what the next pass is like over the top versus pocket versus like no swing it along. And, and, and so I, I've liked Ellington's maturity within lineups as like, oh, this dude just gets it. He knows what, what he's doing. And he's been competing defensively some too, Pete. Like he's not a good defender, but he's competing out there. And he's in the right spot. I think that's the biggest thing and distinction between him and Monk on the defensive end is Wayne may get beat off of the dribble by a faster guy, but he's going to be in the right spot and not kind of compromise the integrity of the overall defense. Whereas Monk's going to get back cut. He's going to miss his assignment. He's going to be a guy that X's out to the same guy that his teammate does. And now there's somebody open in the corner. There are more mistakes there, right? And so, and then on the offensive end, I view... Like Malik's super valuable in transition, I think. And in when the game is more wide open, when we went on that run where Rondo just dominated for like five minutes, oh, a big part of that was in transition. We can get into Rondo a, a bit, but Malik, that layup he hit, you know the one I'm talking about? That the, he got the, the pass reverse. From? Yeah. The reverse with the left hand. That's yeah. such a high-end layup, and you have to have a, a pretty high-end level of athleticism that's just right. to get to that portion of it. And so... Wayne doesn't have that, but he's also got that, like, you can run him off of screens in the half court, which I think we could probably do a little for for yeah. Monk a little more. But either way, his ability to come off screens, some of the runs we went on where Ellington just like the spacing he provides and the gravity, that's really what it is, is he's got gravity out there. So it's good to see Ellington get his legs back. But one thing I wanted to push back a little bit on, but I think Melo's been playing okay defensively. He has. Right? And, and, yeah. and, and Reeves, to Mike's point, Reeves is being depended on to be like a two-way wing sort of guy. And so when we talked about those substitution patterns, to me, it wasn't so much a like offense, offense, offense. It, it definitely was that within the context of the players that got replaced. But I think what we're seeing, though, too, is that Mello's picking up what Vogel wants. Yeah, from, no, this is a great point from yeah. him defensively, right? He is com- like I think Frank had a quote about this the other day, right? Right, Mike, where he was talking about um, Mello's communication defensively and how that is something that has, imp- I don't want to say surprised him, but it's something that he's noticed that Mello's been doing on the defensive side of the ball that I think has really been helping the team and and so then you've got Reeves and so really if Melo is a net neutral defensive player right 
with his offensive ability, that's a huge boon for for the Lakers. And then Reeves has just been a solid sort of two-way guy. And we'll get way more into Reeves when we dedicate, if not a whole pod to him, then for sure like a whole segment. But so Ellington's really the only guy where you, where you feel like, oh, man, like I'm super, super, super worried about you defensively. But if he's competing out there, then that's a solid group. Right, it's just or at least solid enough, right? Like for what they can do on offense, and that's yeah, yeah. And so you seem to have a there. There was definitely a stylistic shift, and it was super noticeable from a foot speed standpoint, but also just from a like, okay, well, the tenor of the game is about to change here. And, and I thought Frank did a really good job of of saying. No, nah, man, like this other thing's not not working. And I was encouraged by him going to the bench as not only as quickly as he did, but as decisively as as he did, because if it was just a one person sub, it's not the same. I don't think. And he's been good in the past with. So like when the Lakers get in precarious situations, he hasn't been afraid uh, from making bigger shifts like that. I, I think historically, even going back to his first year. But the one thing I wanted to add to all this is that Anthony Davis, as, as we learned in the walk-off interview, was not feeling great. He threw up between the third and fourth quarters, and there were some possessions where he wasn't getting back in transition, and he wasn't playing. Like, he's usually the guy that you can count on to erase a lot of the advantages. It's not like he can't keep up with Charlotte like in their front line, but he was getting beat. And now we know why, but I think as a moving forward tool – AD will be better in those kind of things as well. He like, he basically beat them up as a big man. Uh, and they just he was just crushing them around the rim. All of his field goals, except for, I think, two jump shots were inside the paint, in which which is a whole nother conversation, right, about the pull up three and all that. But like he, this was not Anthony Davis at 100 percent. And he still completely destroyed Charlotte uh, at the rim and inside. And I just think that he'll fit even more. He'll fit in even better into the fluidity of the kind of set uh, that they want to get with some of those lineups once he's closer to feeling healthy or not sick. This is a perfect segue to the second half. I wanted to talk AD in the second half. So let's take a break. We'll come back and do that. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out in transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's funny, I was reading... Twitter and just kind of the general sentiment, especially after a game like that where we blow a big lead and we end up winning. But like it doesn't have the same feel good, uh, you know, out on social media when, when it ends the way that it did. And with that shot at the end of regulation and then there was a shot in overtime where I think that he didn't think he had a live dribble anymore. And so he shot kind of a standstill long two there. Right. There were a couple of shots that were bad. And his jumper AD is either making three threes a game or is shooting like 3.7% on his jump shot. And there's no in between. Right. And so he's in 3.7% mode right now. So he's not hitting any of his jumpers. I'm exaggerating, of course, but he doesn't have that going. Everyone's upset with him. We're talking about, and even in the thread, we're like, Hey, you see AD on that play? Like he didn't get back in transition defense, 32 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, five blocks, three steals, and Darius still leaving you with the idea that he could have done a great deal more than he did. That says so much about Anthony Davis right there. He's toughing it out, man. Like, he went back. We saw the, you know, like Mike said, he went back to throw up. We saw him in the tunnel. He's struggling, man. He got the thumb. He's been, for all of the criticism that he got for how he played last year, man, he's really showing a lot of heart to, to start this season. Look, man, Anthony Davis is cursed with being one of the most talented players of his generation and a guy who gets dinged up a bunch and a guy who has to get pulled out of games. And he's just one of those dudes who people like to question him for whatever reason. I'm beyond that with him. And there's a lot of times I want to clap back at people, but I just don't just because whatever. AD is so good. And he is so talented. Does he play the exact way you want him to all of the time? No, he doesn't. There's pretty much no player in the history of the league who has played exactly the way I want them to all of the time. There was a healthy portion of Lakers fans who didn't always like Kobe Bryant, right? Because Kobe Bryant didn't play the way that you wanted him to play all all of the time. They're like, where's the effing swing pass kobe like didn't you see the dude over there could you imagine if twitter was around in the like late 90s especially when he's like 19 years old there would have been a laker sub subreddit of like we don't like kobe are there any receipts on you guys at the time i mean when i got to the team in 2008 i didn't i didn't see uh i don't think a single laker fan say a negative thing about kobe see so this was i ran for the shackers yeah man no No, this is mm -hmm. you should have been in the comments well, a form blue and gold. And 
I was proud of the level of commentary that existed at the site. And but people came with some well-reasoned stuff about sort of like their displeasure with a Kobe performance on any given game. And so that stuff was definitely out there for sure, especially in high stakes games when he would maybe like not do the thing that you wanted him to. Like imagine Twitter in the aftermath of like the 2006 series against the Suns where he was just like, yeah, you know, I don't think I'm going to pat or I don't think I'm going to shoot. In right. that second and, half of game yeah, seven, everyone's yeah, we're been getting blown out. Oh, Every, Lord. Like, everyone's been yeah. criticizing me for shooting too much, and so we're just going to dump it into Kwame. Like, oh, no, he kicked it back out? Ah, oh, let's just dump it back into him again, right? And imagine, so there plus, was a lot of stuff around. Plus, you didn't have all the opinion TV shows as much either. No, right? there, there, mm-hmm. there was no mm-hmm. first take. There was no. no Lizard Man. Just PTI, basically, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, back to AD. He was fantastic, I thought. Like, was there a few plays here here and there? Sure. Like, he looked tired to yeah, me. Yeah, that was and, 100%. And in the moment, I didn't understand the context of why he looked tired, but it was probably because he was dehydrated as hell and probably hasn't been sleeping well and has been throwing up. And it's sort of just like, oh, well, yeah. If, if dude is basically playing out there with the flu or a stomach bug, then you're probably not going to be at, well, well, at your best. But I know Charlotte called a timeout to get a three-pointer to try to tie tie the game. I know that they somehow ended up t- trying to target Anthony Davis, and he basically said, nah, you trying to get up this jumper, and I'm just blocking it. And so... Like, this comes to the Darius Displeasure scale, Mike, because at this point I was streaming it on my phone. Oh, and yes. it was all blur <laughs> and, and it was all blurry. Oh, right? oh my so- gosh. Let me, hold on. Let me, t- let me take over for a second. So we had a, we had a DDS incident, okay, last night. Um, a pretty serious one, all right? This isn't just like, you know, used to rip dude, now dude is on my team. This isn't forgot to take the trash out and it's late. This isn't check engine light comes on. This isn't even get home, but the pickup order is wrong. We're starting to get closer with new shoes got scuffed, especially if they're white Kobe's. Got Montezuma's revenge on the honeymoon is is get like we're we're starting to get in the territory now. But so now, Darius, you, you can say what it actually was. So it's the fourth quarter. The game is already starting to feel a little bit slippery here, and suddenly my screen freezes and I'm like, what's going on? And then I hear my wife from the other room and, and she's saying, is, is there an internet problem? Is something wrong with the internet? And she said, my computer's not working. So you put two and two together very quickly. And I realized that our internet's down. And so then I go to the living room cause I was streaming the game. So I go to the living room and I try to turn it on to the NBA TV feed and my cable box is just frozen. And then the red light on my modem turns on and it's basically raining outside and I'm in hell at this point. Right. And so Pete and Mike are trying to be helpful and <laughs> and, and they are texting me updates. Let, let, let me jump in here. And so like the and but it's all bad. It's as the game is slipping away. And so it's like, yeah, they just shot five free throws. Like, why did they shoot five free throws? I don't know. This guy got a technical. There's a delay of game. It's it's a mess. And then eventually Darius is just like, just just stop. 
texting me because his phone has gone down or he's trying to get to his phone right and to, to watch the game and we're texting him these awful updates imagine yeah, uh, that- russ, russ just um committed a euro file but they're in the bonus that's right yeah exactly he committed a take file after his fourth turnover of the quarter right and so terry's just like just please just shut up like it's fine I was trying to be kind, but I'm glad my tone came through. Oh, it always the does. Text. You, you ain't never got to worry about your tone coming through shit. What's the, what's the first <laughs> word that you go to in a, in a disaster like that? Like, do you, are you going, are you straight to F guy? Or are you, do you have like some combination words? Oh, no, I, it was definitely expletives. There were a yeah. lot of those. And my poor wife. She just kept saying she was sorry because she she could just tell that I was upset. But there was like, I'm I'm like, it's fine, it's fine. But in the same way, I was just like, just stop saying you're sorry. Like, like I need one of these things to work. And so I'm sitting here and my phone is on like literally one bar. And so I'm trying to get one of these sites to load through one bar of like non-internet, like LTE, whatever it is, right? Finally, I get the game to stream through the Spectrum app. So shout out to the Spectrum app. But because my internet is so dodgy, it's just, it's all pixelated, right? And so I'm watching this in like 480p, right? (laughs) Like the old days, the KKL9 days, yeah. (laughs) So that's what my feed looks like. So I see Anthony Davis block this shot, but like really I don't see it. Right. Like I, I see a guy elevate. I see AD jump. I thought the ball was going the other way, but then the camera pans the other direction. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, he blocked it. That's great. Right. And, and so some of my insights about what the final moments of of the game look like are not going to be as sharp. Right. Because what I was watching was was not very sharp. And so sorry, diversion is over now. We could get back to to the actual game. But I was not a happy camper for about a 10 minute stretch of not game time, but real lifetime of, Oh my God, one of these sites needs to load so that I could actually finish watching this, this Laker game. Because if Mike and Pete keep texting me about something bad, (laughs) I'm going to jump through my damn phone and, and be like, y'all need to stop. Just, just stop texting me bad news. Everything can't be bad news right now. It, the internet picked up right when Bridges hit the transition three, I'm sure. Yeah. And bad times. Yeah. Bad yeah. times. Well, and, and, hey, they did and win the game. What, what made it worse, though, is like Pete went from regular updates to just like single word updates play. that weren't yeah. updates, right? It was just like, fuck. Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or, what was that? Right, these Yo, are actual messages. Darius, this team makes me say, "What the f are you doing?" It's gonna say, it's, "This is gonna be this way all year." Everyone got to buckle up, get prepared for this. But this team makes me say, "What the f are you doing?" More than any other Lakers team, and that's saying something because we've had some. Hmm. So GD should edit that part out so that we don't have to put the E for for. Oh no, I think we're past <laughs> the E at this point, man. It's it's a. Uh... So when it comes to AD, so let's get back on track here, right? When it comes to AD, like, he clearly was not at his best, but you can see, like, this is just a reminder that not at his best AD is still such a phenomenal talent, and he can still be such an impact player, and it is not absurd to think, and it was a nice reminder that out of nowhere, he can still make the 
biggest defensive play of the game or the one that you need right at the crucial moment. And you could tell, too, that he was frustrated with himself a couple of times throughout the game. Like, he was a half step late. Like, he committed a foul, and he thought he he was going to get a block. He thought he was going to get an end one. He was like, ah, like, yeah. And, And so there was plenty of moments like that, but to think that he could almost get, I don't know, man. He had 32 points and double-digit rebounds. He had five blocks. Like, you look at this, like, if you look at the box score, you're like, this dude was dominant? Now, on tape, maybe the bad plays stand out or the plays where he got beat, they are more recognizable. But I think part of that is the fact that he's Anthony Davis and you just expect so much from him. But I'm I'm hopeful that we can get back to a better balance with our yeah. analysis of AD as well. Yeah, there, there's too much that's taken for granted with AD, Mike, in terms of like what you expect him to do. What I thought was super interesting and will be a, a growing storyline, I think, as the, sort, as the season goes on is... With AD at the five, what kind of like physical reinforcements does he need at other positions, right? Like he was tired. He was, and and he had that, there's such a burden on him in those lineups, especially when we're small, that finding AD help at other positions, I think guys like Ariza and THT can be helpful in this respect, but uh, I think that's fascinating to see what, what we need. And without LeBron, right, we're, we're very small, as Frank said before the game. Yeah, and then on the flip side, I also was there were several possessions where I was thinking, why not just get AD down closer to the rim on some of these offensive positions where or possessions where you know he's either he or Russ are just kind of catching and collecting and facing up and that and that I think speaks though to fatigue in some part because it's hard to post up and it you got somebody bumping into you and trying to push you out and and doing all that. And so I think that's where AD has developed that mid post game where he can at least face up. And then once that, once he turns his body, then he can take one step into the lane and either get fouled or, and or not. And the easiest thing to do is to take the jump shot, which I think is again, not that he's trying to take the easy way out, but he knew his level of fatigue. He had just thrown up and that's, he's aware that he's not shooting the three. Well, I just think that it's, it's all of that is what you have to factor in. So but eventually, hopefully you get to a point where it's optimized AD and like this is when this is when the meter is on high. And and, you know, I don't I know I didn't answer your question, Pete, as to how you protect around him. But I can go back to my staple answer of more big wings uh, and the guys yeah. that can take some of that. And so that it's fewer guards out there. But that's that's not available at the moment. And I think that eventually you'll get LeBron and Ariza back and then you still may have to make a move. But those are the types of players that I think can help that a lot. Well, I just think more physicality is just going to help him in general. Right. Like Russ for all of the let's pull out our hair because Russ made a bad play. There are plenty of times where it's just like, oh, that ball was sort of loose around the defensive glass and who Mm -hmm. sort of jumped in there and tapped it away it was Russell Westbrook Mm -hmm. or tracked it down from the other side of the court yeah Yeah, so there are physicality plays that the Lakers are going to need help winning LeBron helps you win a bunch of those but there are times even where I think Melo just being like a 6'8 250 guy or 245 in his slimmed down version right that that Mello makes a guy who is a Reza size is going to help. Even a guy like THT is going to help, right? Like there's just a certain amount of oomph that the team is going to get 
when some of these guys are able to to return. And I, I mean, we got some good news yesterday. THT was was cleared for contact now, and and so that's. It looks like he's he's going to be back soon. Hope hopefully soon we'll get an update on none. I think none is going to help, right? And then hopefully not soon after after that we'll get updates about LeBron, right? Like this team is slowly but surely going to make its way back and and it'll be very interesting to see if Frank sort of hinted what he was saying to you pregame, Mike, if what he was hinting at like no, he sees it too. He's got people who are giving him numbers. He understands what some of this is. He's trying to piece it together. And are the pieces always going to be what we want it to be? No, it's not. I wish some things were different. And and maybe we'll talk more about that next pod when we talk about more of the negative stuff. But I thought last night, Pete, like AD, when the Lakers needed will need the basket, he got down to the low block a little bit and he ripped baseline and then hit that little eight foot foot jumper when when he needed it, right? And when the Lakers needed their best, they they went to some of their defensive lineups. Reeves made some really great, great plays, and they pulled out a win when just two pods ago I was saying, like, I don't expect them to win at all. And at halftime, I tweeted y'all. I think we were all a little bit irritated, and I was just like, nah, man, but honestly, they're up one, and if I would have told you pregame that they would be up one at halftime, we should be happy. No, I, like, I see, I wasn't there with you. I wasn't you there You weren't, you, you weren't, no. but I, and, and I got it too, because they were, this team can be frustrating as hell when they're playing a certain way or when lineups are going a certain way or when you realize what's not available to this team in order to play at its best, right? Like they've got so many dudes in street clothes that do not allow for them to play the style that I think they're best suited to play. And then everything frustrates, right? Frank's decision frustrates, like how these guys perform on the court frustrates. And suddenly we're infighting and texting each other like upset messages. And then we're sniping with people on Twitter. And it's just like, man, this team, they're down bad. But not last night. Last night they got a W and they needed it. I think they needed it just for their morale purposes as much as anything else. And so that the only thing to clarify my point there, it's, it's there. There are certain games that a, a combination of factors like Charlotte was on a back to back. And it, right now going to the game was the worst defense in the league. And you, you can take away some of the stuff that they've been winning on by just focusing like the, that's why the transition defense at halftime was so was so annoying because you knew that's what they were trying to do. And so I, for me, that was the Lakers had more than enough to win that game. And it would have just exponentially increased the level of frustration um, had they not. So uh, like the fact that it was that close, I know we've been talking about some of the, the more positive elements of it, but I was almost going the other way where it was it was like turning the temperature dial um, close to the DVS situation uh, based on the way that the game was going and, and how unnecessary it probably was. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. The I, I, And to add to that point, like we came off a really bad performance in Portland too. So I think that there was some degree of extra juice of like, Hey, we can't do that again. We can't play like that again. That's it. We got the W, but to Mike's point, we, uh, 
It was an adventure along the way. And so tomorrow we'll be back to discuss Russell Westbrook's decision-making in context of the five-turner fourth quarter. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tap to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.